That was good, wasn't it? Did y'all enjoy that? Yeah, I did too. Love that song. Hey, today the sermon is going to be about men. But we're going to be in here about 10 minutes and we'll be able to go home, all right? Because I'm just, hey, I'm going to tell you something and you're not, you might not agree right at the beginning, but give me some time to build this out and I think we'll get there. Men are just as complicated as women. They really are. Now, 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 some of you are looking at me going, are you saying women's complicated? Yes, I, absolutely. You're completely complicated. And don't judge me because you are the ones that call yourself complicated because I can walk up to you and you are crying and I'll ask you, what is wrong? And you go, I don't know. That's complicated. <laughs> so don't judge me for calling you complicated because I'm just saying men are complicated as well. And today we're going to get into that. And if you're a man... Um, Usually when you tell men you're going to preach about men, men don't show up. And the reason they don't show up is because most men's sermons are, um, you're not doing good enough, you suck, you're pathetic, do better, go home. And, and, and I'm kind of tired of that. Um, and in fact, just to be honest, I've preached those messages before and I've realized <laughs> they don't work. So today we're going to talk about men because last week we talked about women. But we're going to talk about it from a spiritual warfare standpoint and three basic questions that the enemy um, hits us with and three basic questions that, 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 that every single man in this room or watching online, you either are asking or you will ask at some point in your life. Let's set it up this way. Um, I think I want to set it up in a way we can all understand, men or women. Everybody in this room has had a dream before. Now, when I say had a dream, I'm not talking about like had a goal. I'm talking about you went to sleep and had a dream. And some of us have um, weird dreams. You ever had a weird dream? Weird dreams? Weird dreams? Yeah, yeah. And you, and, and, and have you ever had a dream where in the middle of the dream, you knew it was a dream? Like you're like, I am dreaming. Because like you're in the dream and like one of your friends is there and they're completely nude, but everybody acts like it's normal. You're like, okay, that's not right. Or, or my favorite dream, my favorite dream is the one where I get to fly. Have you ever had a dream that you're flying? That is so much fun. Um, and, I, and I was not taking drugs when I had that dream. Okay. So I just, I just dreamed that I was flying. Um, but here's the dream that I hate, and just about everybody in this room has had this dream, in, at least in this genre. Now, let me pause. I'm about to tell you my dream. I don't need a charismatic stopping by the first-timers area to interpret, okay? Because anytime you talk about this, there's always a charismatic going, I can interpret that dream. Um, no, you can't. I don't want to talk to you, but Jesus loves you. I don't like you. So anyway, here, I know you think I'm making this up. It, always, there's always one. So in the dream, and you've had this dream, um, in fact, the last dream, that, that I'll tell you the specific scenario, scenario. Somebody was getting ready to bury me alive, which is horrifying. Like, think about that. That's, I, I don't want to go out like that. I, I want to go out like with a lightning strike or a nuclear missile or something. Like, I want to go quick. So somebody's getting ready to bury me alive. And I can remember as they're getting ready to put me in the ground, I looked to my right, and there was a group of people that I knew that could help me. In fact, it was a group of guys from this church, and I knew, I know these guys. They're all saved. They're, they're barely saved, but they're, they're saved. And I knew, I knew, come on, y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all, yeah. And so I knew they could help me. And all I had to do, all I had to do was scream. But when I tried to scream, nothing came out. You ever had this dream? You're, you're trying to scream. And, and you, you can't scream. So I tried to scream louder, and I couldn't 
I couldn't scream. And when you can't scream, you can't get their attention. And when you can't get their attention, you can't get any help. There's, you're, you're screaming in silence, and you feel like nobody is hearing you. I just described every man in this room emotionally and spiritually. Screaming for help, but it feels like nobody's hearing us. Now, some people go, hey, that's a, that's a bit of a stretch. You know, every man in the room, are you for real? Yeah, I'm, I'm for real. Um, because you read statistics like um, 70% of men admitted in a recent survey that they all struggle with some form of secret depression. Secret because we don't want to talk about it because we don't want to seem weak. 80% of the people in prison in America today are men. 85% of the suicides that happen in America are men. And women outlive their spouse on the average of 10 to 15 years. Men are screaming and suffering spiritually and emotionally, and it seems like there is no relief. Now, men, men, men know how to speak. I mean, we, we do anger. We do anger very well, right? In fact, men, men speak two things very well, anger and sex. I, it happened in the last service, too. There's some men looking at me like this. Y'all distinguished. Oh, I'm distinguished. I'm a, I'm, I was a deacon in my last church. I'm a, I'm a deacon. I'm a deacon. I'm Deacon Thompson. Yeah, we're glad you're here, Deacon Thompson. But Deacon Thompson, when he gets home, turns into Magic Mike, and everybody knows it. I'm a little bothered about how well that Magic Mike comment went over, but... So, men, so men, men are wrestling with this. And, the, and this is, listen, men, where, where, where I'm about to take you is, is it's the devil's playground. The devil messes with our minds, and he messes with our minds um, in so many ways. We, we see it happen in Genesis chapter 3, verse, verse 6, where even the serpent are having a conversation. By the way, Adam doesn't even speak till verse 10. It's just even the serpent. But we see this happen in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She, then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. He didn't say anything. He just, he just ate the fruit. And I believe since this time, every man is asking three questions. Number one, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to be a man? You know, manhood gets defined in so many different ways. Have you ever heard a man is blank and you just completely disagreed with it? Happened to me in the late 90s. There's a book that came out. Some of you, if you've been in the evangelical world for long enough, you'll remember this book. Phenomenal author. Phenomenal. He is one of the best writers on the planet. Book came out called Wild at Heart. Anybody remember this book, Wild at Heart? And it was like being a man is all about getting outdoors and being in nature and, and hunting and fishing and camping. And I was like, <laughs> 
guess I'm not a man because that's not, that's, listen, if you enjoy that, that is awesome. But me, I'm not about hunting and camping. I'm about a bougie hotel with a massage. Like that's, that's me, okay? And so we hear all these things. Do I have what it takes to be a man? Here's the deal that everybody needs to understand. Every single man in this room is under pressure. Pressure to perform. Pressure. And we can only handle a certain amount of weight. If I walked in and I almost did a live demonstration, but then I started thinking about all the ways it could go bad. Um, I was going to have a bench press up here with 225 pounds on it. I could bench that easy. When I say easy, I could do it easy. But if you put 275, it's going to be a struggle. If you put 325, it ain't going to happen. If you put 400, it's going to crush me. Now, every, now, there's some men in this room, you could bench 400 easy. You could do it. Like, you could bench 400, not a problem. I couldn't do it. Every man can handle a certain amount, but every man in this room is under pressure. And we're wondering, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to be a husband? How many of you are married? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, thank you. Because so, last service, one guy was like this. I was like, <laughs> are you not sure? Um, <laughs> you're married. You ask yourself, do I have what it takes to, to be a husband? Now, I don't know if this is politically correct. But I don't care. I really could give a rat's rear end if people are bothered by this. I'm just going to tell you how it was when I was growing up. I don't know how it is today, but this is how it was when I was growing up. Men did not get prepared for relationships. Girls did. Pastor P, that's a little, uh-uh, it's not sexist at all. I was growing up. Girls, you were playing with Ken and Barbie. Am I right? Am I right? Ken and Barbie. I, is that still a thing? I don't know. Did they, did they get canceled too? Every, everything got canceled. I don't know. <laughs> did they cancel Ken and Barbie? God, I hope not. But like girls were playing with Ken and Barbie. It, girls, had, girls had easy bake ovens. Anybody have an easy bake oven? Yeah, 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 yeah. You had easy bake ovens and you were learning how, you had the kitchen set, right? And, 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 and all, the boy didn't have that. You, like you had Ken and Barbie the boy was outside shooting things, killing things, blowing up things. They would get your Ken and Barbie, take it outside and shoot it with a BB gun. That's what the boy did. The girl, when she started reading, because girls start reading for boy, before boys on average, she started reading romance novels. You know, 70% of the books in America that are sold today are bought by women, and the majority of those books are romance novels. There's a reason they call it fiction. <laughs> it don't happen like that, does it? That's why you got to read about it. You ain't never met that man, right? He's not <laughs> fiction. And then, and, and then the guy, when he, when he does read, when he does read, it's not that. We're, we're, we're different. We didn't, we didn't get trained for relationships. In fact, ladies, I'm not trying to be mean. Somebody said, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean, but is what you need to understand. The majority of the things that you think you know about men 
was told to you by other women. Let me tell you about men. Let me tell you about men. I know all about men. Well, you ain't got one. Like, like, but like that, let me. <laughs> did it just get real? <laughs> let me tell you all about men. And we learn, we learn about men from other women. We, we learn about men from Oprah. Love Oprah. I love me some Oprah. Just, just a, I just want to ask a quick question. She got a man? No. But if she wrote a book on manhood, every woman would go, oh, Oprah said it. You know, and, and we learn, but very few women get their information about men from men. And, and, and women, you'll put, well, he's so shut down. He's just shut down. He's just shut down. Because he's wrestling with this question. Do I have what it takes to be a husband? Let me tell you something about a man. The reason a lot of men shut down, you know, I didn't say this the last service, so I'm glad I'm saying it in this service. You know why a lot of men shut down? Because a man won't play a game he don't think he can win. He won't. If, if two men are playing a video game and one man is beating the crap out of the other guy, what would the other guy do? Shut the game down. Cause a fight. I know men that won't speak to each other to this day because somebody cut it off in middle school, Right? Men are constantly being reminded of how, how short we fall. And we know we fall short in being husband. There's pressure. Do I have what it takes? Do I, do I have what it takes to be a dad? Being a dad is scary as crap. It really is. I remember... I remember the first time I had to actually care for Karis on my own for 24 hours, just me and her. I was terrified. I'm terrified now. She's 14 years old. Every once in a while, now listen, I'm going to go ahead and help you. I don't need you to walk up to me in that lobby and tell me, tell me this. You know, she's going to be dating this soon. No, she's not. You don't have any say in that. Oh, I, I do. I did, now, now, everyone, when I talk about her, I have people come up to me going, hey, remember Pastor Fee when you used to say every year on her birthday you bought a gun? Still do. <laughs> Not too many years ago, I bought a Tech 9 on her birthday. A Tech 9. Some of you are like, that is gangster. Dang straight it is. <laughs> if she ever does go on a date, I'm going to have it strapped around my neck going, Come on in, boy. <laughs> Holds 30 rounds. I got four more clips to hold 20. I'll start a prison ministry. <laughs> From the inside. But God, I look back at being a dad. Do you know I've done more stupid things than I've done good things? Men, we, we wonder, do we have what it takes? You know why? It wasn't modeled for us. Most men in this room did not have being a good father modeled for us. So we're figuring it out on the job. And, and, it, and, it, and it's crazy. It, listen, if you feel scared to lead your family spiritually, I understand. 
Somebody asked me the other day, what's the biggest crowd you've ever spoken in front of? And I think it it, it was one event, there were 15,000 people in the room. They said, were you scared? I said, not at all. Not at all. For some reason, I just, I grabbed the mic, I walked on that stage, I preached the message, I walked off stage, dropped the mic. I didn't drop the mic, I just handed it back to him. Wasn't scary. You, you know what, but you know what is scary? Praying with my daughter. If you're a man in this room and the thought of praying with your wife or praying with your daughter scares you, it doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It simply confirms that you're human. Do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to be a a follower of Jesus? There's not a man in this room, hopefully, (laughs) that hasn't felt like at some point in his life he's fallen short in his walk with God. And let me just say this, and this will cause a little controversy, not in this room when it gets out on the internets, um, but this will cause... Most discipleship material for men are writ- is written by men that don't have a clue. L- let me tell you what I mean. Kid is born into a Christian home. Nothing, now, there's nothing wrong with any of this. Born into a Christian home, either homeschooled or private schooled their entire life, go to a Christian college, go to a Christian seminary, go to Christian, get their master's degree, and then they start writing Christian material for non-Christians who become Christians, and they've never actually had a real-life conversation with a non-Christian. And so the standard is set here by people that have never had to struggle with what it's, they, they, they don't know what it's like. And so, so all of us are asking this question, do I have what it takes to be a, a Christian, to be a godly man? Because see, we get, these high standards get set. And then we got told, this is what we got told. The church is a safe place to confess sin. <laughs> yeah, now, now we did have the other day, like, what if second chance? Somebody asked me the other day, they said, what if second chance were like, had a little bit of a Catholic vibe and y'all had a confession booth? <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna go ahead and shut that down right now. Because <laughs> if I'm on the inside of the confession booth and you're on the other side, Forgive me for I sin. What'd you do? And you start, I'm, like, I'm raising the blind going, you did what? <laughs> yeah, you need to knock that off. That is not a good idea. No, don't ask me if I've done that. I'm just saying you need to quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then we understood that, that a church is a safe place to confess Christian sins. Perry, what's a Christian sin? A Christian sin is, y'all pray for me. I only read my Bible five times this week. Oh, God, brother, bless you. By the way, if I don't know you and you call me brother, automatic skepticism right there. Good to meet you, brother. <laughs> Tase him. Anyway, <laughs> we, we, we struggle with it because church is a place where we're taught to be fake. We can't get real. Hey, man, how was your week? Horrible. Why was it Horrible. Did a couple lines of coke and looked at pictures of naked people on the computer. Like most church people would like be like, oh, scatter. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying, as I've said so many times, you can't be healed until you get real. Do I have what it takes 
to be a man? Let me tell you, God said yes. This will be highly controversial. This will offend some people. I'm not saying it to be offensive. I'm saying it because I want you to know the truth. You ask me, Pastor P, how do you know that God thinks I've got what it takes to be a man? Well, there's evidence. After this service, go to the bathroom. Look down. If you have a penis, God said you got what it takes because he's the one that put it there. I'm following the science. Oh, if we're going to clap, clap. If y'all going to clap, clap. Pastor P, they going to cancel you. I done got canceled. Y'all okay? Can, can I go to the next one? Or do we need a break? <laughs> Question number two, can I trust you? Can I trust you? This is a question that every man is asking. He's asking this of his spouse. He's asking this of his friends. He's asking this of God. Can I trust you? And it's difficult to get a man to open up. Like tomorrow, you could have this conversation. You can have this conversation today. You would have to have it tomorrow. I'm about to explain why. You could walk up to a man tomorrow and say, hey, man, what would you eat for lunch? Chick-fil-A. What would you get? Number one, no pickle. Fist bump, conversation over. Walk up to a woman tomorrow. What'd you eat for lunch? Oh my God, I was driving down the road and I was thinking, what do I need for lunch? Because I was trying to watch what I was eating and I wanted to stay away from fast food, but Chick-fil-A is Christian fast food, so I thought it's okay because the calories will pass through quickly. And so I went to the Chick-fil-A and I pulled up in the parking lot and there was a space right up front and I thought God's favor is on my life because honey I've been praying a little bit more when you start that devotional we were talking about anyway I pulled right up to the front and walked up front and the door was locked I said God does not want me to go to Chick-fil-a because this door is locked and it's not Sunday and then I thought this is the new Chick-fil-a the old Chick-fil-a is why so I got in my car and I drove back down and I saw Mrs. Thompson and I waved at her you know what honey we said we were gonna have dinner with them but we have not had dinner with them because you have not scheduled it so if you would schedule dinner with them we would eat. and so anyway I went to the new Chick-fil-a and then the drive-thru was super long, but that was okay because I got a game on my phone. I was playing the game on my phone, and somebody blew the horn at me, and I told them they were number one, but Jesus forgave me on the spot. And I got up to the window, and the little girl's name was Jennifer. I know her name was Jennifer because she had the name tag. I said, Jennifer, I said, those earrings are adorable. Where did you get those? And she said, Hobby Lobby. Baby, she did not get those earrings at Hobby Lobby because they don't sell earrings. They sell the stuff to make earrings. So I thought, Jennifer is a liar and going to hell. But I prayed for Jennifer, and she's going to accept Christ. Did I nail it? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. 
And the man is thinking the whole time. All I ask, can can we say that that women are, are more vocal? Yes or no? And every man is asking, every man, every man is asking, can I trust you? Every man needs a man that he can trust in his life. You mean an accountability partner, Pastor P? Nah. I don't want no accountability partner. I don't, accountability partner equals parole officer. I don't need anybody else in my life I got to perform for. Every man needs a dude in his life that can challenge him. We can laugh together, we can cry together. Somebody he can trust. You know, about 10 years ago, I used to hear the phrase, you've heard this before, if a, when a man dies, if he has five friends, five true men that he can call friends, he's, a, he's in a good space. And I used to think, five, I got like 15. I'm here to tell you, if you die with five, you're blessed. Men that can look each other in the eye and tell each other the truth and not judge each other. Challenge each other. Like what it says in Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Iron sharpening iron, sparks fly. Every man needs a man that he can trust. And if there's a man in the room that has a problem trusting somebody, it's because at some point in your life, you got burned. If you're a spouse, he's asking himself the question, can I trust you? When Proverbs 31 is describing the virtuous woman, one of the things that the writer says is her husband can trust her, and she, will be, and she will greatly enrich his life. Her husband can trust her. Have you ever, don't answer this out loud, have you ever just thought, because I've heard this said, he's so shut down. He won't open up. You open up to him, but he don't open up to you. Well, number one, sometimes that's not true because, number one, you use way more words than him. And number two, I'm just going to explain this to you, sometimes you're telling him things that he's not interested in. You just, you don't have to say amen, dude. I got got you. I felt that amen. I went shopping, and it was on sale, and it was a TJ Maxx. Anytime I hear TJ Maxx, I just see money flying out of our bank account. It's just leaving. And I got the new bra, and this one's strapless, and this one. Is, and listen, he don't care if the bra is strapless or if it pushes up or it separates. Give him some time and let him feel around. He'll figure it out, all right? He don't need to know all that information. Sometimes when a guy glazes over, he's got information overload. Women process in circles. Men process in straight lines. 
That's why when he's not talking to you as much as you're talking to him, it's not that he don't care. It's that he's trying to process. Give him a day or two. He's got to go in the cave. Figure it out. He'll come back and say, you know what? You were right. And don't, why did he take you so much time? That's, that's why he shuts down. Every man in this room struggles with, do I have what it takes to be a husband? And one of the reasons he wonders that is because he, is, he, he has trust issues. Ladies, can he trust you? Like if he opens up, when you get a man to open up, and he tells you what he's wrestling with, is that safe with you? Or is that conversation the next time you hang out with your girlfriends? Because if it gets back to him, that you betrayed him, you're going to shut him down. You're going to shut him down. He wants to know, can I, can I trust you? When you ask him, when you're just laying there, what are you thinking? And he says nothing. Sometimes he's telling the truth. Sometimes he has to not tell the truth because he's struggling with, can I trust you? Ladies, you just got to ask yourself the question. Can he trust me and do I enrich his life? Let me pause. <laughs> Don't ask your husband this question because he's going to say, yeah, baby, if he's smart. Can I trust you? Last question every man is wondering is, is it too late? Is it too late? You ever, you ever wondered this? As a man, let me tell you something. When a man messes up, when a man messes up, and he, and he knows he messes up. I mean, I'm talking about this is the man that isn't making excuses. He knows he messed up as a husband. He knows he messed up as a father. He knows he messed up as a Christian. It, he, he knows he messed up. There are men in this room. There are men watching online that have messed up, and you, you've owned it. You've owned it. But what the enemy wants to convince you of is because you've messed up, it's too late. It's too late. Oh, you had, you had it. You, you could have done something great for Jesus. You could have been a great husband. You, you could have been a great dad. It's too late. You messed up. I was trying to think about how to communicate this last point, and I thought, it's a man sermon. Let's talk about cars and speed. The concept, not the drug. You got to clarify a second chance. Other churches, you don't have to clarify, but here you go. Speed. <laughs> this. Yeah, somebody said, wow. This is, this is the 2000. Yeah, somebody said it. Tesla. You, it is the Model S. Keep, go, keep going. What else? What else? It's called the Plaid model. See, it's, and it's not Plaid, which confused me a little bit. This car is somewhere between $120,000 and 
So no, I don't plan on getting one of these for Christmas. That's more than my first house. If I pay $150,000 for something, it better have three bedroom, two bath. Okay, I, I just say, I, and, and I could, like a couple of reasons I can't get it. Number one, I couldn't afford it. Number two, I couldn't fit in it. Like, and if I did get in it and farted, all the windows would fly out. So it's just, there's so many problems. Some of y'all, he is trying to get canceled today. But here's the thing that fascinates me about this car. If somebody does get one, I do want to drive it. And this is why. This car will go from 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds. Now, some people went, whoa. And some people went to their husband, it's that fast. <laughs> it, it's, it's the kind of speed that you've got to have your head on the headrest, because if not, you're, you're, you're going to sprain your neck. But that's fast. Now, just kind of curious. How many men in the room would like to take it for a test drive? Anybody? Yeah, all the honest men. There's some men, not me. I'm fine going the speed limit in my Buick. In your, anyway, so let's say, let's say, let's say, man, that, that your wife um, bought you this car for Christmas. She came into some money you don't know about, okay? Um, and she, like her, her, her great uncle that she didn't know died, left her a bunch of money, and she went and bought you one of these for Christmas. She bought you a Tesla that goes from zero to 60 in less than two seconds for Christmas. Are you happy? Oh, yeah. Somebody over here said, oh, yeah. Somebody said, no, I would give the money to the poor. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> you would drive that thing. Now, let's say you got it and you drove it. And, and can we all agree that this is a well-built machine? Yes or no? Yes. Elon Musk, he's a pretty smart guy, you know, trying to go to space. But he, he built, got this thing built. Well, let's say you got it and you went out the next morning. Let's say December 20, you got it for Christmas, December 25th, December 26th, you go out the next morning, it's got a flat tire. Flat, just the tire's flat. The tire's flat. Now, this is not, don't overthink this. Don't overthink this. If the tire was flat on the car, men, what would you do? Change the tire. Easy, easy answer, right? There's not a man in this room that would walk out and go, well, I guess it's over. <laughs> Tire's flat. Tire always goes flat in my life. Tire's all, I have a good life, and then the tire goes flat. You know what? Just burn it down. Just burn the whole thing down. I hate this car. No, you wouldn't do that. People would be looking at you like, good gosh, you had too much eggnog last night. Like, we need to fit. But... But what if you went out and all four tires were flat? You fix all four tires, you replace them, right? What if you go out and the windshield's busted? You replace the windshield, right? You wouldn't go, I was fun while it lasted, but it's too late because the tires are flat and the windshield is busted. My question is, if we had a Tesla and would not discount it because the tires went flat and the windshield got busted, then why, sir, would you allow the enemy to lie to you and tell you that your life is over because you've had some flat tires and busted windshields? Why would you let him do that? Why would you buy into the lie that it's too late? Because listen, 
you are way more intricately designed than that Tesla. Like the creator of the universe made you. Elon Musk made this. Elon Musk is trying to figure out how to get to space. The creator of the universe made space, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and call God has the trump card on Elon. You are created in the image of God. Yes, busted tires. Yes, messed up windshields. But no, it is not too late. If, if we understand two things. Number one, we got to get honest with God. I love David because he's a man after God's own heart. But David is not a man after God's own heart because of his superior moral performance. In fact, David was a, a bad husband in times and a real bad dad. Family issues like you wouldn't believe. But I love it when he says, this poor man called. Don't, don't miss this, men, men. Men, notice how honest he is. David, a man after God's own heart, said this poor man called. And the Lord heard him. And he saved him out of all his troubles. David said this, David didn't say this awesome man called out. This manly man called out. No, David said, I am, I am poor and I am broken. Jesus, I need you. This is one of the toughest things for a man to do is surrender his life to Christ. You know why, men? We got to be in control. We got to be in control. And control is the greatest illusion in the universe. You didn't control when you were born. You didn't control where you were born. You didn't control who your parents were. You can't control the fact that you're the safest driver in the world, but you could pull out of this parking lot today and an unsafe driver could hit you. We are so not in control. And so if your life has been out of control in regards to being a man or a husband or a father, you can just, today, you can say, you know what? God, I I need you. Pour your spirit out on me. That song we sang, that's the prayer of my heart. Pour your spirit out. Because, because, and don't miss this, I've never seen this ending in Scripture the way I saw it when I was preparing for this message. Guys, let me ask you a question. When you were growing up and you messed up and your daddy came home, would you run and hide? Yeah, that's what we do. Men run and hide. We're good at running. We're good at hiding. We're, we're, we're good at that. That's what happened. Watch this. In Genesis 3, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame because that's what we feel, that's what we feel as men. Shame that we blew it. Shame that we, flat, we flattened the tire. We busted the windshield at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, and the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God, God among the trees, just kind of like we hid from our earthly father. We hid. Maybe he won't find us. Did, didn't he always find us? Watch this, though. Don't miss this. Then the Lord called to the man, where are you? Now, just real quick question, quick question. Who sinned first, Eve or Adam? Eve. 
who did God call out? The man. He's holding the man responsible. But don't, 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 don't miss this. God called out to the man, where are you? Think before you answer this. After this encounter, did God punish Adam? No. Adam deserved death, but God, God sacrificed a lamb and covered Adam and Eve with those skins so that their sin was paid for and they could continue living. So when God's telling Adam, where are you? He's not saying, get out here so I can take off my belt and wear you out like maybe our earthly fathers did. He's saying, Adam, where are you? Because I know you messed up. And I know that you know you messed up. And I know that you are feeling guilt. And I know that you are feeling shame. But Adam, the reason I'm asking where are you is because I still have a plan. I still have a plan for your life. I knew what you were going to do before I created you, and I made provisions for it, Adam. I've still got a plan. I know you think you messed up. I know you think you've gone too far, but Adam, guess what? I'm going to use you and Eve to eventually bring about the Messiah that is going to crush the devil, crush his work, crush his kingdom, and the Messiah is going to come about and deliver the entire world. So Adam, I need you to come out of hiding because I still got a plan. And I think he's telling a man here today, either in the room or online, sir, I still got a plan. I know you you ran at one point, but you can run back because I still got a plan. I know you feel like you don't measure up, but you do measure up because I still got a plan. Let's not let the enemy take us hostage by causing us to question the manhood that God has called us to live up to. If you're still breathing, God still has a plan for your life and it's greater than anything you could ever imagine. Screw the flat tires. Screw the broken windshield. It happened. It's paid for. It's forgiven. And we have a future in Christ if we will simply surrender to him. So stand with me and let's pray. Father, I want to ask you right now, in the name of Jesus, on behalf of every single man in this room, God, that we as men would admit, God, that we are poor. We are poor and we need you, Jesus, to pour your spirit out on us. We need you to pour your spirit into our lives and fill us with hope and fill us with joy and fill us with freedom and fill us with love and fill us with you, Jesus. Pour it out. Jesus, I want to thank you for the freedom that you promise us as we live walking with you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to ask every man in this room, which, which question, which question hits you the hardest? Do I have what it takes? Can I trust you? Is it too late? Right now, one of those questions stood out in particular. Just lift that up to the Lord. If you're here and you're a spouse, you're, with your, you're standing next to your husband right now, why don't you just put your hand on his shoulder and and pray for it. Just say a prayer over it. Just It don't have to be out loud. Ask
ask Jesus to fill him with hope. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, man or woman, you are in this room, you don't know Jesus, if you know that's what you need, that's what you're missing in life, you need to accept Jesus today. If that's you, then wherever you are in this room, I want you to just pray this prayer in your heart. Just pray, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to save me from my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Take over and take control. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer, and you meant it with all your heart, I want you to do me a favor and stick your hand straight up in the air, straight up in the air right now, all over the room. Amen, amen, amen. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Amen, amen. Amen. Hands all over the room. If you're online, you can do the hand raise emoji so we can know. Father, I want to thank you, Jesus. I want to thank you, God. I am overwhelmed by the number of people that I just saw with raised hands. Jesus, you saved people today. You saved people at the 915. You saved people at this service. God, I'm convinced you're going to save people at the 5 o'clock playback. God, I thank you that you save people. Father, I pray. I praise you not only for saving people, God, but I thank you for the hope that your word speaks into our lives, that we don't have to feel crushed and we don't have to feel condemned, that we can celebrate the fact, Jesus, as long as there is breath in our lungs, there is hope for our lives. I pray for every single man in this room. God, even though we're under pressure, God, we've got what it takes with your Holy Spirit living inside of us. So as we walk out of this place today, may we do it with our head held high knowing, Jesus, that greater is he that is in me than in he that is in the world. We love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Everybody that agrees said amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see y'all back here next Sunday.